Time of the week, the Regulators Podcast. I am your host, Waldo Waldy. We have a very good show for you today. We are going to get into the Ten Commandments of Fantasy Football. The way I see it, as a longtime commissioner, you can tell us whether you agree, whether you disagree, hate my guts, whatever. Uh, find us on Twitter at Regulators Pod, as always. And in addition, you may remember. A couple weeks ago, we were trying to give away uh, tickets to a Miami Dolphin-Atlanta Falcons game at Hard Rock Stadium. It would be uh, the only chance that anyone in South Florida is going to have to go to a preseason game because that is the only one, uh, at least for the Dolphins, that is the only one that they are having home at their stadium. And it will be an opportunity to see Kyle Pitts suit up and see what he can do in some preseason action. Now, I know we have listeners all around the country and all around the world, and we love you guys. This was just something that kind of fell in our lap, and we were able to do as a giveaway. Unfortunately, we did have a winner, someone who entered but did not claim their seats. And so I wanted to give it a little bit extra time. That person still has not claimed their seats, so we are going to do this again. Now, I know some people are saying, ah, it's a preseason game. Listen, you know, preseason game, you know, in Miami – it's a Saturday night, so you get to enjoy a Saturday night in Miami, both before after the game. You don't have to worry about that brutal heat during the day. And, you know, even though it's preseason, it is the game that usually you're going to see the most playing time out of most of the starters because it's the second to last preseason game. So usually they rest everybody in the last one. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting, and either way, it's free shit, right? You know, we're, we're hooking you guys up. That's what we try to do as often as possible. So if you want to enter to win the tickets to go, I believe it's August 21st, to the first and only home preseason game for the Miami Dolphins against the Atlanta Falcons, go to our Twitter page, and you will see the information there on how to enter and it's really simple. You're just basically making sure you're following us and retweeting, and that's it. It's it's just pretty simple. So we're going to give that away. And uh, some news that kind of came across this week before we got into the podcast, unfortunately, Cam Akers has uh, torn his Achilles and will miss the entirety of the 2021 season. Um, he says he's in good spirits, you know, he's looking forward to 2022, but just devastating blow, obviously, to the Rams running game as, you know, he was really kind of the forefront of what was expected to be a very good run game this year. So this is another unfortunate thing that happens sometimes, you know, we haven't even gotten into training camp yet. This is, you know, days before training camp is supposed to start. And unfortunately, we have a player who's done for the year. This is another reason why, you know, we'll get into the commandments in a little bit, but, you know, one of the things that I've never understood is people who draft their fantasy teams in June and July. Like, there's there's no reason for that. There's absolutely no reason for that. So, you know, push your, your fantasy draft dates as late as humanly possible. Uh, we always traditionally do ours Labor Day weekend. That's it. That's when we do it. Um 
you know, and we don't have as many issues because you're going to have guys go down in camp. You're going to have guys go down in preseason. And, man, if you blew a high-round pick on one of those guys and it, it could have been avoided, then, you know, in general, I, I blame your commissioner on that one. But having said that, you know, wishing Cam, obviously, a, a speedy recovery uh, as he gets ready for, unfortunately, next year in 2022. Other than that, uh, Aaron Rodgers allegedly we haven't been able to confirm this yet, but allegedly, according to sources, may or may not have had Jimmy John's for lunch today. So I don't know if you want to look into that and think Jimmy John's, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, you know, was a University of Miami coach at one point, And he had players like Ed Reed, who played for the Baltimore Ravens. And how does that connect to, you know, the Denver Broncos and all that? Like, like I don't want to get, you know, way into it because we haven't confirmed yet. But Allegedly, you know, that may or may not have happened with Aaron Rodgers today. Um, but moving on from the latest breaking news, again, this week we want to get into the Ten Commandments of Fantasy Football. Now, I, like many of you, have been playing fantasy football for years and years and years. I've been in some good leagues. I've been in some really, really shitty leagues. Uh, I've had commissioners that I would never, ever deal with ever again, and I've had some that were really great. And uh, some people who taught me how to be a good commissioner. And I, I think, you know, I can say confidently that I feel I'm a pretty good commissioner. So let's go over the Ten Commandments of fantasy football. And again, find us on Twitter and you let us know if you agree or not. So number one, this is my number one commandment. No more than ten people in your league. And let me explain what I mean by that. I understand there are people who have listener leagues, who have like all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff. I, I know some of the big giant things that are out there, but you know they should all be set up as individual leagues, and then you should have ways to figure out tournaments with points, and you can do stuff like that if you're trying to do promotional things or things like that. But a specific league should have no more than ten players. You know, so if you can do. 10-team, great. If you can do 8-team, even better. And I'm going to tell you why. I see these people who are in the 12 or, God forbid, 16-team leagues, um, and it just gets ridiculous. I mean, you think about it. Hypothetically, you're in a 16-team league, right? Everybody takes two quarterbacks. That's it. Every single starting quarterback is spoken for. So when an injury happens, when something happens, like it just gets really completely ridiculous. And then on top of that, people can start to play these games where they're stocking up certain positions on the roster. And yes, you can change settings to make sure, okay, you can only have three tight ends or you can only have four uh, wide receivers or, or however you set it up. But the point is, when you get to those 12, 16 team leagues, the deep dives that you're having to do are just so ridiculous that you're starting guys that you know, if you're lucky, are going to get two carries a game. And I, I understand the people who are like, yeah, but I like knowing about all those players and doing all those deep dives and, and having to pull up players most people have never heard about. That's cool. But here's what's not cool. What's not cool is when you have... Three, four weeks into the season, you have games that are complete blowouts because the rosters are so lopsided because once injuries start happening, which they will, it's inevitable, or you know people get benched or whatever happens, there's nothing on the waiver wire that comes even remotely close 
to the players that you're having to replace. Now, let's take an 8 or a 10 team league, right? If, let's say, God forbid, your quarterback goes down or your star wide receiver, are you going to be able to go to the waiver wire and find someone who's just as good? Usually not, unless you get really lucky and hit a home run and, and, and something just works out. But nine times out of ten, you'll be lucky to get someone who's at about 70% of the value of where you are at. So when a player gets hurt, you got to go to the waiver wires. If you can replace 70% of that production, then you're doing really well. If you're in a 16-team league, you'll be lucky to replace 30 or 40% of that production. So it's such a dynamic shift change. And it just really what it does is by the end of the season, most of your teams are so have such a large disparity that you have some teams like crushing it and you have teams just getting their asses handed to them. Um, The only sort of luck that starts to come into play is when two or three teams who have been decimated by injuries end up playing each other. So for that and many other reasons, stay with 10 people or less. And if if you're getting kind of greedy and you're saying, you know, well, if I, I move it to 12 or 16, you know, then there's more money in the pot if we win. Well, there's more money in the pot if you win technically, but number one, you're also decreasing your odds because there's more people. So more people might not feel like they have a, a real shot at it after week seven or week eight. Number two, if your league is fucking good enough, you can charge all your com- all your league team owners double. You can just talk with everybody. What's everybody want to up it to? And if there's one holdout, then you can find somebody else who, who's willing to pay the money. If your league is good enough, people will be clamoring to get into your league. We've had uh, a league for almost a decade now that everybody in it, you know, is really good, and we have guys all over the country that take it very seriously, and it's a big deal, and we look forward to it every single year, and there's waiting lists of people trying to get into our league, and hopefully, you know, we never have to replace anybody, but if it comes to that, then we'll do what we have to do, but I'm telling you, you'll be so much happier with 10 and 8 person leagues, and because it's a smaller pool Everybody still kind of clings to having a chance at the playoffs longer into the season. The games stay more competitive. So that's commandment number one. No more than 10 people. Here's commandment number two. Take away the veto option. Okay? So as much as I love everybody that I play fantasy football with, at the end of the day, people are fucking children. Okay? And they can't handle a lot of responsibility. So when you give people the responsibility where they can vote and try to veto trades, then what starts happening is they start vetoing with emotion. Instead of actually believing, no, wait, this is a bullshit trade, it's like, oh, well, wait, he was supposed to trade me and now he's trading him? Fuck that guy and I'm going to veto his trade. That's, that's not how it's supposed to work. So you make it to where the commissioner is the only person who can veto trades And when you have to use that, you do that with extreme prejudice. Like that is like collusion. You know for a fact that somebody is trying to collude and that person will not be invited back next year. And so you have to veto the trade and and possibly step in. But outside of that, 
listen, if someone makes a a bad trade, you know, that's that's kind of on them. If it's not collusion and they're just being stupid with their team or they, you know, I can give you great examples. We have guys in our league who look for potential. And I I can tell you a perfect example is Guy. Guy is one of these guys where Guy will trade someone who is a solid starter for one or two guys. He'll try to trade for some guys that maybe are performing below that starter, but if a certain thing breaks his way, if somebody's suspension happens or if or if uh somebody's not healthy in time or, or whatever the case is, then he knows he's gonna max out on those points. So to him, he's he's banking off the potential and half the time it doesn't work out for him and he gets screwed. But there's the other half the time where he ends up with like three of the best players on his team because he saw what was coming down the road and he looked at the potential of what those players were doing or where their schedule was going. Okay, they they already got past, you know, say the really tough run defense teams. Now they had like a cakewalk for the next six games heading into the playoffs. He would make a move for something like that and oftentimes end out on the good side. So everybody looks at trades different. You know, you have the other people who are like, no, this guy has X amount of points. Your guy has X amount of points. That's it. You know, this is how I deal or this is how I don't. The point is, everybody's going to make their own inferences and try to make a, a great judgment call for themselves. But unless it's really collusion, you got to have a free market society. you got to just let people trade and, and let everything go. I mean, the trades and everything is, is some of the most fun of fantasy. And again, as the commissioner, you always will reserve that right to step in if it gets really, really upside down and it looks like this is going to be collusion but outside of that take away the veto option don't give it to your league members and i'm telling you the league will be better for it there'll be less infighting less bitching and moaning because they already know they already know up front that they can't veto so there's there's no point in it and they understand that you are not going to veto anything unless it's absolutely absolutely absurd so that's commandment number two Commandment number three, and this one I shouldn't have to say, but it's the commandment list, so it's important it goes in here. All is fair in fantasy football. Like, there's no friends, there's no family, there's, like, it's 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 fine, you know, the second that you step out of that fantasy football realm to go have beers with everybody and, and have a good time, but when you are in that group chat, when you are in that game, when you are in that mode of trying to make trades and trying to make things happen, there's no friends, there's no family, there's your fantasy team. Like, that's it. That's all that fucking exists. So, you know, these these people who, you know, I, I see them tell me these things where they, they were messaging someone and said, hey, they were thinking about uh, this player and what did they think? And then that person went and jumped them on the waiver wire order and, and picked them up. Like, that's on you. That's you're really fucking stupid. And I get it. You know, some people are new. You know, they ha- they have to be broken in. But that that's how you learn, right? But there is there is no fucking rules when it comes to that shit. Like I am I I, I can't imagine like like 
being in a league where people are bitching about, oh, someone, you know, took this guy I was talking about, or, you know, he traded to this guy because he knew that he didn't want to trade to me because I was in first place. Like, okay, I probably wouldn't help your team out either if you were in first place. So all is fair in fantasy. Commandment number four, and this is this is a big one. This one is is really for the commissioners out there that just you know, they, they they tried to do something cool years ago and they got drunk on power and completely lost themselves. So commandment number four, no stupid fucking bonuses, okay? No super duper triple flex fucking leagues with three quarterbacks. No fucking, you know, 32 point bonus, you know, if they hit 100 yards. Like, no, like, s- stop with this shit, man. The only viable exception to this is PPR. If you want to do a PPR league, hey, you know, that's been around, that's a standard. It adds uh, a little bit more into how you have to draft and how you have to pick your team and stuff, and I get it, but usually it doesn't get too absurd if you if you use standard format scoring, right? Our league doesn't even use PPR, and there's a reason for this, and it goes into the same reason why you got to stop with the ridiculous fucking bonuses, and that is, is that In order to have a league where all of the games are relatively close, where all of the teams are relatively close, going all the way down into the stretch, you want to have games with the lowest amount of scoring totals possible. That's what you want. Because when you have these games, I see these people's screenshots where they won 339 to 173. What the fuck is that? Like, first of all, that game wasn't even close. So in the second quarter, one guy got 200 yards or whatever the hell happened, and then that's it. Like, it was over, and nobody else could do anything. It wasn't going to matter. So these games get so far out of reach so quickly, and then it just becomes boring. And it's not a fun league to be in because you're never watching those Sunday, Monday night games, it's very rare that it's going to come down to that last player. Whereas in our leagues, there are typical matches that end 93 to 91 or, you know, 107 to 105 or whatever it is, like, because the scoring is kept so close. So I get it. I know what happened, you know, years ago, once they opened it up to where you could kind of create your own rosters and set all kinds of settings as a league commissioner, they were like, oh, what if we had two quarterbacks? What if we had, you know, five kickers? Like, everybody just tried to get ridiculous with it, and they, in their minds, thought that more points equaled more fun. It doesn't. Less points equals more fun. I promise you, try it, you won't be disappointed, so... Stop with the stupid bonuses. That's commandment number four. Number five, and this is a big one, you have to do in-person drafts. Now, obviously, last year was kind of an exception to this rule with the pandemic and everything. Um, And if you are still in a place where you're unable to travel, some exceptions can be made. And listen, I'm not completely heartless. Like if some guy gets in a car accident... You know, depending on how far away that car accident is from where we're drafting, he might get some leeway, but you have to try to force it as much as possible. And 
there's a different level of camaraderie and a different level of, you know, a fantasy football league where everybody looks forward to that fantasy draft each year. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, all right, we rented out a suite in Vegas, everybody's flying in for the week. It doesn't have to be like that. You know, we've had it at uh, people's houses. So, like, there used to be a thing, you know, in, in some leagues they have it where the loser has to host uh, the next year and has to do the cooking and everything like that. So everybody goes to that house. So at that point, you're really just possibly a flight away or, or whatever it takes. Um, but it has a huge difference on how close everybody becomes and how much fun the league is when everybody knows that they're meeting each year. Now, we've had exceptions where somebody was there for half the time, then they had to leave, or, you know, there was an emergency and somebody, there was one year where somebody actually was in an accident and somebody had to draft uh, for him, but I think he was texting from the hospital bed because he was that committed to the fucking league. So, point is, you have to try to uh, get everybody in person. And listen, we have people all over the country who come every year for our draft. So there's there's really no excuses. And if that's kind of outside of people's price range to do a, you know, in-person fantasy draft, then you're probably not ready for the big leagues yet. Like, and that's okay, you know, start with your little... Uh, groups that you are in with some friends and do your online drafts and stuff. But when you're ready to make like a real serious league that's going to go on for decades, you got to find a way to do it in person. So that's uh, commandment number five, in-person drafting. Number six, winners and losers must have worthy ends. So both of these are important for a number of reasons. Number one, obviously for the winner, you want to make it worth their while. So there has to be some sort of hopefully monetary gain that they're going to get. We have obviously a trophy as well that actually think of it something like the Stanley Cup and it gets passed around um, year by year and we actually get each person's name engraved and the year added to the plaque um, at the bottom. So it's uh it's important to have a trophy it's important to have something you know that everyone's going for some people have like the rings or the uh, wrestling belts and stuff like that but you know it's important not only just to have you know something that you're winning to be excited to win a couple hundred bucks or a thousand or however big your league is but it also is important to make sure that people are invested if you're in a league where everybody throws in 10 bucks like Maybe it's just a work league. That's fine. You can do something like that. But the problem is most people halfway through the season are going to stop checking their team. They're going to miss waiver wires. They're going to forget they're on a bye week. It's going to get completely ridiculous because it's 10 bucks. To them, it's no money. It's no money worth them losing that they really care about it. So it has to be a level of money where someone's like, man, I put 50 bucks. I put 100 bucks in this or I put... 300 bucks in this like I like I'm gonna check my team every like this this means a lot I could win a lot of money and I, I don't want to lose what I've put in so the winner definitely has to have you know something worthwhile and then on the same end of that you have to have something worthy of the loser so for example what we do in our league 
is we basically embarrass the shit out of whoever comes in last place. They have to go stand on a street corner holding signs that say they suck in fantasy, and we dress them up in the most ridiculous things that we can find, whether it's like a horse head and like a pair of wings and a tutu, um, whatever we can find just to make them look absolutely ridiculous. And we send them out on the street corner and they have to uh, pay their penance. So everybody dreads it every single year. And so the guys that are in the last two to three spots towards the end of the year aren't giving up. Because even if they're not going to make the playoffs, even if they don't have a shot at winning, nobody wants to make that walk of shame. I promise you, we make people pay in our league, and so you have to have something very worthy of both the winner and the loser uh, to make sure that the league stays competitive and stays fun throughout the entire year. So here's commandment number seven. Average draft position, otherwise known as ADP is Basuda. I wipe my ass with ADP, okay? ADP is as good as a 2022 or a 2023 mock draft. So commandment number seven is ADP is garbage. That's the commandment. It doesn't matter what average draft position is, and let me tell you why. When everybody goes into these mock drafts or creates some of these little BS leagues that they do, what happens is, first of all, there's so many leagues where people don't know what they're doing, okay? So they may be taking players way, way higher than they really should based on popularity because they know the name, um, because that's their favorite team. You've got a lot of homers who, who draft in, in fantasy. Um, so that completely screws up the algorithm. But most importantly, if you are in a league with players year after year, you start to know them. You start to know where they take certain positions. You start to know whether they would take a player from Team A or Team B. You start to figure all of that stuff out. And those are the kind of things that goes into your ADP analysis. Because I can tell you, there are players that I have circled that I want that I have maybe a 6th or 7th round grade on. However, I know that that player is the favorite player of a guy in my league. So that means that he is going to put him up in the 5th round. I know it. So do I want that player bad enough to reach for him? If not, I've got to make other arrangements. And by contrast, there are players that I'm very high on that I think are sleepers this year, that I think, oh, wow, these, these guys are really going to step up and nobody's going to see it coming. I would put like maybe a fourth-round grade on these guys. However, I know that nobody in my league would take that player either because of what team they're on, what offense there is, who their quarterback is, whatever it is. So I know I can drop them at least, at least three rounds. And then I can still scoop them up and get what I want. That's the only draft position type research that matters. The ADP of like 8 million people who are anywhere from 6 years old to 100 and are drafting in all kinds of ridiculous leagues that you don't know what kind of bonuses and, and crazy things that they have, it has nothing to do with your league. It has nothing to do with your league and... 
people who study ADP, you're fooling yourselves. You're doing yourself a disservice. So ADP is trash. That's commandment number seven. Now, number eight, and I think this is a good one. As a commissioner, we talked about trying to make the league competitive. Um, we talked about there being parity you know, among the teams. So one of the things that you should do as a commissioner is make sure that at your in-person draft party, you have the most recent best cheat sheets printed out for every single person. We have team draft binders. Everyone's got their, uh, their logos and their names on their binders, and they're all ready for them when they come to our draft. And in those binders, one of the many things that's in there is the cheat sheets, the most recent up-to-date cheat sheets. And, you know, I get it. Everybody's going to do their own research. I do my own as well. I don't go off the same exact thing that's on the cheat sheets. I have all of my own rankings and everything else. However, there are people who, you know, I don't know, again, maybe they got in an accident yesterday, maybe their tablet died, maybe they don't have anything, you know, well, make sure there's a backup for them. Make sure there's at least something there. And it's also a great thing because let's say, God forbid, you do have one guy who's teleconferencing in and all of a sudden his connection goes dead. Well, you can't shut down the whole process, so what you do is you take the top 300 cheat sheet and whoever's next on the board, when it's his turn to go, that's who he gets. So that's kind of the way, you know, it, it can help in a lot of different ways, but having those sheets, and it's not just the top 300, you know, the depth charts, everything else, you know, it's everybody studies and tries their best they can, but, you know, you may forget, oh, this guy just got cut yesterday, or, oh, they moved this person here or there, and, you know, sure, a little bit of that is on uh, the team owner, but again, I want the league to start off at the league year with everyone looking at their team like, holy shit, I'm stacked. Like, look at this. Like, everybody's got good. It, the competitiveness is, you know, like, I can rob people blind. Trust me, there's plenty of other leagues I can go join in. The drop of a hat. Half of them don't know what they're doing. The other half, like, are still basically not completely with it. But when you're running a league, when you're doing something with, you know, friends and you're trying to get something that's going to go on in, in perpetuity, you want to make it as competitive as possible. And I'll tell you just how competitive our league is. So this past year, I was the first person to win the league twice. But outside of myself winning this past year for the second time, it has been a different person has won every single year that we have done this. That's how competitive my fucking league is. So I'm not just pulling this stuff out of my ass. I know what it takes to keep a really competitive league going. So give everybody cheat sheets. Give them as much information uh, as you can. And, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll overload them with information and they'll get distracted. But that's my advice for commandment number eight. Give everyone cheat sheets. Commandment number nine. Rearrange your divisions every year. So especially if you're in a dynasty league, even even a, a redraft league that has the same owners every year, what we do is we take the following year's results and first place, third place, fifth, seventh, so forth, goes into one division, and then second place, fourth place, sixth, you get the idea. And we do that every year. 
This ensures that if you do have a handful of guys that maybe always kind of rise to the top, that they're not stuck in a division with each other all the time, and then maybe you have a, a really weak division. And depending on how your league is set up, that could have advantages, especially if you're playing division opponents twice in the year or however you have that set up. But rearrange the divisions, keep it interesting, and then it's a lot more fun in the group chats and everyone, oh, so-and-so's in my division this year, okay, you know, and talk shit and all of that stuff. Commandment number 10, and this one I think is, is the clincher. So... A lot of people go back and forth on how to set up their playoff structure and how long it should be and what the rules should be, different things like that. So here's what I say. One week playoffs always because it's a playoffs. It's winner go home, just like in the NFL. You don't need two round playoffs. That's You don't need that. So one week playoffs, but what you do is you give a 10-point advantage to the home team. And the home team is the team with the better record. So this is something that we have found has gone over very, very well in our league. Because previously, what would be frustrating sometimes was that somebody goes, you know, 13-0 and or whatever their record is going into the playoffs. And then they have to face somebody who had a much worse record. And then they ultimately lose. Now that could still happen. But at least they feel like they were rewarded in some sort of way for having, you know, the best record. Now, obviously, you can do uh, bye weeks as well, which we do. I think the top two teams get bye weeks uh, in our league. But even for everybody else, the 10-point home field advantage, especially if your scoring is low, is enough that it makes it can make a difference it doesn't always make a difference but it's enough that it gives just a little bit extra edge to somebody who played all year long and outperformed the person that they're playing against so the 10 point home advantage i think has worked out you know extremely well but those are my 10 commandments those are my 10 commandments for fantasy football Tell us if you agree. Again, find us on Twitter at RegulatorsPod. We'd love to have a conversation with you about it. Please, please, please share with friends. It's the only way we grow, the only way we get more sponsors, and then we can, of course, give all of that back to you guys. I do want to give a shout-out to Mr. Wilson, who sent an excellent idea for a show uh, this week. I'm going to keep it between myself and him because I was already deep into uh, production for the show that we were going to do this week. But I will have something coming up on uh, some suggestions that he sent over. Always got some good stuff. And additionally, do not forget, we are giving away two tickets in the lower bowl for the Miami Dolphins Atlanta Falcons preseason game August 21st. Go to our Twitter page to learn more about it. And as always, we'll catch you in the Twitter streets. Love you guys. Peace. Yeah.